<laughs> but otherwise, anyway, good evening out there. It's a Mangeru Dumelang Sanbonani. Welcome to this first edition of the second season of Live Chats on Monday, where we kind of meet different people from different walks of life, doing different and interesting, interesting things. And uh, today, of course, we kick it off with a good friend of mine, a Limpompen uh, by nature, who has traveled with his broomstick all the way to Europe and uh, is doing great things there. Mr. Nathan, good evening, sir. Good evening, Ronald and the viewers. Yeah, so Nathan here is a goalkeeper, uh, as and when he tries, uh, licks a lot Brilliant. of goals. <laughs> Licks a lot of goals and rarely wins trophies, but that's fine. We'll deal with that another day. Also, Minister of the Gospel, uh, but an auditor by profession. And I think the thing that's really uh, interesting for us to call you here, Mr. Nathan, is the fact that you're working in Luxembourg, somewhere in Europe. And I think the very first question before you even ask anything else, why Luxembourg? I mean, we don't need literally to look at a map for that. We, we generally don't know. We know London, we know Paris, we know New York, Hong Kong, Maruenaware, out of all those places, Luxembourg. Why? Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting um, question because before I even actually applied for Luxembourg, I didn't even know that there was a Luxembourg. I didn't even know as to where Luxembourg actually is. But Luxembourg kind of like just fell on my lap, basically, because my initial plan was that I initially wanted to go to the UK. That's where I actually wanted to spend some time professionally, um, mainly because the UK is pretty much almost like the UK when you talk about England, it's pretty much almost South African because driving, they drive on the right side and they also predominantly speak English. So I think that would have been more of a comfort zone, but at the same time also working in Europe. So how it happened, I ended up in Luxembourg was that there were some comments that were being um, issued at my workplace. So I applied for all of them because I just wanted to be in Europe. I just wanted to spend some time in Europe. So I applied for all of them, but initially I wanted the UK. I didn't get the UK and then I initially also didn't get um, um, Luxembourg. However, I spoke to the director. I mean, I was just having a conversation with them. I was just talking, having a conversation with them. Like, okay, fine. When it comes to um, applying for Luxembourg, what exactly is it that you are looking for? And what exactly is it that you would be, that which tips would you give me in order for me to actually make it into those guys? Because those interview sessions were actually kind of rigorous and they were kind of hectic so I just wanted to get some pointers because wherever it is that I stumble I always go back and try to find out okay fine what is it that I can do better so he then just mentioned that okay fine Luxembourg is actually offering a, a 12 month there's a 12 month self-select secondment that I could actually apply for and I just applied in the sense that okay I wasn't really expecting to get it but then I just I was like, okay, no, it's cool. I would be interested. And then I totally forgot about it. Then a few months later, I got an I got a, an email from the lady at HR who told me that, okay, fine, there's a, there's an opening. Would you be interested? That's only when I started doing research about Luxembourg. I did not know anything about Luxembourg. I cannot, I cannot tell you that I just handpicked it and said that, okay, fine. Out of all these countries, there's Netherlands, there's London, there's Ireland, there's 
um, Germany, ah, Luxembourg, this is where I want to go. Nah, that's not, that, that really isn't how it happened. Luxembourg met me. And I was like, okay, I don't know Luxembourg. None of my family members have been to Luxembourg. Let's see what Luxembourg has for me. And I think it's, it's those countries that you kind of expect someone to say they're going to go in Europe, you know, they're going to work in Europe. We expect Switzerland, we're expecting uh, Germany, we're expecting England, like you just said, uh, which is almost the norm. Some even want to go to Harare, you know, because it's, it's, it's like up there, you know, like with, with, with those European capitals and all. But we understand uh, Luxembourg. And I think the motivation then becomes a very inter interesting thing to say what had actually uh, motivated you from the very first place to actually go and want to work outside of South Africa? So it's, it has always been my goal, honestly speaking, because I had never been outside of the country up until um, two, is it two or three years ago? It has to be two years ago. I'd also never actually been on a plane. So I just told myself while in varsity that I wanted to work for one of the big fours. And one of the main reasons I wanted is to get international experience because I started working late and my peers were like well ahead of me. I mean, when I started working, my very first manager was younger than me. And like, I'm still a junior consultant. And then he's like four, you know, four, four levels above, uh, above me. So I realized that I needed to kind of like make up and fast track my CV, so to say. So even though they say experience is experience, but I realized that working in South Africa, once you have that um, international experience on your CV, it kind of sets you apart because I've worked in HR before as well. So I didn't just start off going into auditing, like I had to take steps. So um, I realized that once you have that international experience, it kind of sets you apart. So that was the main aim as to why I actually wanted to get that international experience very early on. Because I'm like starting I'm at the bottom of the food chain and age is not really on my side. Even though, yeah, they say don't put too much pressure on yourself, but it happens. Like, let's not lie. Like, you get to a point and then you're like 25, like I'm still an intern at a, at a department and I'm earning a stipend and you're a guy on top of that. You can't really make long-term commitments. So I kind of wanted to actually just get that on my CV that, okay, let me just get international experience. Apart from the fact that I also wanted to visit other countries, but not at my expense. <laughs> yeah, but, so that's, that was the main, main, main um, what to say, motivation in the beginning as to why I actually wanted to get international experience. And there's somebody who probably is watching tonight and thinking, you know what, I've been thinking about going and working outside for four years in Yana, two years in Yana, six months in Yana. Uh, can you just, from what you know now, and obviously the conversations that you've had within the company and outside your company, of what really is the process that one needs to go through? What do they have to do? Who do they have to speak to? You know, do they have to get the job first? Do they have to get the visa first? How do they get the visa? Et just well, lay out the process in the simplest way possible for someone out there who wants to pretty much do something for a few years outside of South Africa. Okay, so there are two ways to, to answer your question, right? Like one, I would need to know if you are asking from a more professional as to how I actually got to work in Deloitte Luxembourg, or are you, all, are you asking about the processes to actually like applying for your visas, like getting approvals, like, um, you know, getting your work permits, 
like I need to, that, because there are two ways in which I could I could I could answer that one. The other one is more internal, like with regards to how I actually landed here, because well, I'm not here uh, permanently. If but, you could just yeah. potentially just uh, try 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 and hit both actually, maybe just the job first, and then maybe the the, the the visa process after that as well, so that people can just have a general idea. Of course, it's going to be different for different people in different companies, but just in general, yeah. you know, yeah, something like that. Well, in my company, I think we were lucky enough because there's a there's pretty much a program that actually that actually allows for this, where it's like towards the end, because in Europe around towards the end of the year, it's what they call the busy period, almost in like all the all the all the major firms within Europe, there's what they call the busy period. So what they would do is that they would then um, reach out to other member firms and then just second a few a few resources and that's the opportunity that we would actually uh take advantage of to actually apply for those secondments and then you spend some time in europe usually it's like the short-term secondment, like your three months to six months and then you get some experience in europe and then that's when you come so that's the pro that's the that's the main process that we actually take advantage of when it comes to actually moving on a permanent basis Personally, I have found that LinkedIn is your best friend. Like creating a very strong LinkedIn network becomes your best friend because that's where I actually also took advantage of the of, of and to get the opportunity to actually move here. So that's that's my part. As to moving to other companies on a permanent basis, it's a bit of a tricky one because I I, would, I don't have uh, personal experience in that, but I did find that the minute you have some, once you have updated, that's how I talk about LinkedIn. Once you have, once you keep on updating and then you keep on commenting, some along the line, are you out? Especially if you are in those high demand um, kind of kind of kind of sections. Recruiters actually are you out. So the minute I updated that, okay, fine. I've started in direct Luxembourg. My inbox started flooding from all over the world. Now I started being spoiled for choice. So that's my personal experience with regards to how to actually land in from a professional, from a from a professional perspective. Like I was very blessed with, with regards to the company that I that, that I work for that they have this kind of this kind of pro program that actually gives us the opportunity to actually work abroad and work in different countries and then when we talk about how it actually let me let me just talk about my project because mine was a bit different due to the fact that i was doing all of this during the pandemic period right so i was supposed to move um around may that's when my contract was actually initially supposed to start may 2020 but then you know COVID struck around March. March, that's when everyone just shut down their borders. So I, I remember the day I got the email, Nathan, we regret to inform you that we're going to have to put everything on hold. And there I was thinking that, okay, fine, maybe it would be like much. Remember how the lockdown started? Like it was a couple of days now. And then family meeting, I don't know, next week, family meeting. Up until now, we like, we still have family meeting. It's been over a year now. So the, it, everything froze on my end. Everything froze. I didn't know what was happening. All I had to do was just keep the faith. That's all I could really do. Just keep the faith and keep hoping that somewhere along the line, things will open up. And by God's grace, Luxembourg also didn't give up on me. Pretty much they wanted me. That's why I carry me and Luxembourg, we met each other. 
because now they also, in as much as I wanted to come, they also wanted me to come. So if I would, sometimes I would be quiet and then they would just send an email, Nathan, we are doing all we can in order to actually get you over. So that kind of made me, made me feel like wanted and especially. So, um, but then it was around, um, what was it? July, it was around July when I received my temporary work permit. That's when I realized that, okay, now things are gonna start happening. And from then on, I applied for my visa. You know, they want my, what's this, my criminal record. Luckily I'm clean. And then I sent it through to them. And now after getting my visa, now comes the challenging part that, okay, my contract is starting in September. But now the challenge, I need to get a flight out coming from a third world country. Ah, that, that became a nightmare. I think six flights got canceled. Like I kept on like you book and then just as you're about to leave, they're like, okay, fine, we have to cancel. The flight has been canceled, refund. Okay, cool. And all of these things are being done by Luxembourg, my office, the office that is that would be receiving me. All of these things are being done. And by the time it got to the fifth, I started asking questioning myself that, okay, fine, is this actually meant to happen? But the office just did not give up on me. Like it kept on, Every single time they, it was canceled, they kept on um, getting, a, getting, getting a new flight. It would be canceled, getting a new flight. I remember when they canceled the sixth flight, that's when I was like, you know what, I'm done. Like, this is like, this is not happening. And at some point, like, because each and every single time, you know how you have to update your family. Okay, fine, I'm leaving on this day. And then the flight gets canceled. Imagine having to explain to your grandmother why the, grand, why, 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 why the flight got, got canceled. And then now you're explaining for the fifth time. After the sixth time, I was like, you know what, I'm not telling anyone when I'm leaving anymore. Surprisingly, when I kept quiet, <laughs> when I kept quiet, then my flight left. So it really, it was an emotionally taxing, taxing experience. Like it really tested, it tested my patience, it tested my faith. Like at some point I just felt like, you know, maybe I should just, you know, let's let this thing go. But I think those who know me very well will know that, like I just hold on to like, as long as I believe, as long as I want something and that something wants me as well, I just hold on for as long as I can. And that's exactly what happened with me actually getting, getting, getting through. I can only imagine, man, because I think on the, probably on the fourth or third, I probably would have lost it already. And you actually went on to the sixth cancellation. <laughs> you know, you know, like, like it, it tested, it tested. Some would have thought I was actually, but like it, it the fact that um, Luxembourg was also Uh, Nathan, looks like your network is uh, playing games on you now. Can you hear me still? Yeah, right. yeah, I can hear you. There we go, there we go. So check, I'm thinking now, after all that you had to go through, of course, you've gone through the paperwork, you've done everything that needs to be done, you've checked all the boxes that need to be checked, then you're sitting on the flight. Then you arrive in Europe for the first time in your life, 
And uh, how, how was that first week, first two weeks period? I'm imagining the adrenaline, the excitement of seeing new things. How, how was it for you? How was that experience, if you remember it all? Uh, it was surreal, to be honest. The very first thing I think everyone is expecting, the web, and that, that, that disrespected all the jackets that I came to the to Europe with, like it, it just messed everything up because I stepped out like it was sun, like it was proper sun. And you know, I'm from Limpopo. In Limpopo weather, it doesn't matter which, which season it is. If the sun is out, it's warm. The sun rays are warm. I step out and I'm just wearing a normal sweater as I would. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. I got the shock of my life. That was the first thing. And then the next thing that hit me was actually the currency difference because um, at that time, I wasn't obvious. Obviously, by then, I hadn't actually started earning in euros. So I was carrying the rands that I had. So the credit card that I had was the South African credit card. So you can imagine the shock of my life when I buy a small pizza from Domino's because that's what I knew. I, need to pick, I needed to pick something that I know. Like I looked for something that is familiar. When you buy a small pizza and you get an SMS that says 400 rand has been deducted from your account. Something that I would get for 50 rand and I was like, yo, this is, this is, this is not going to work out well. So that was, that was my first few, few days experience when I got here. Like I experienced a lot of challenges. I was at the hotel, but the hotel is not, they're not giving you food. Like it's self, it's a self, they call it a hotel. It's not a hotel, but it's self catering. But at the time, obviously, I don't even know where the supermarkets are. I'm pretty much alone, basically. Like, because I came by myself and I haven't started working because I came on the first, no, it was on the first or second, first, second, third, I can't re actually remember. But my, my starting date was on the 15th. So I couldn't even create a network of friends by then. So for the first 15 days, for the first two weeks, I'm basically by myself and I'm trying to make ends meet. There's a huge language barrier because people here predominantly, they speak either Luxembourgish or... Uh, French. So there's a huge um, barrier there. And if you think people are stubborn, you haven't met stubborn people until you have met French people. Even when they understand that you can't actually speak English, they will persist to speak English with you until you end up just agreeing to whatever it is that they have to say. So that was a very big challenge for me when I first got here. And I remember also one of the ATM, they swallowed my credit card and I didn't have money for that period. Like I was, I was on work, I was on 20 euros at that point. Like it was just a nightmare of a, of, of a week. But I, I pretty much went through it up until I actually started working on the 15th. And when I got to the office and then I started creating a proper network of people, then things started getting a bit better. The only problem was that now because it's COVID period, everyone is working from home. So I too had to be stuck and working from home. And it felt like I might as well just be working from South Africa because now I'm working remotely. I haven't met any of the people that I'm working with. All the onboarding things are being done online. You're not getting that feel like that experience that I was looking forward to of working in a new office, meeting new people. I'm meeting them online. I was like, like that, that I feel, I felt like it was, it stole, it stole something. It stole something from me, especially during the festive season with how I, I had envisioned my first few days in my new workplace. So yeah, that, that was, that was my first few, 
my first few days. But yeah, it's it's a mentally challenging thing, but just hold on. I think I, I'm, I'm thinking you are a very sociable and outgoing person, and that must have been a bit difficult uh, to, to, to find yourself holed up in a hotel for two weeks, and then now you start to work, and you're working still online, away from people kind of thing. And I'm trying to think, uh, what are some of the culture shocks that you'd want to warn somebody who's about to go work outside to say, hey, you have not seen something like this. This I only saw because I had gone outside of South Africa. I wouldn't say it's a culture shock, but it's very, <laughs> it's quite, um, here's one thing that actually shocked me. The discipline of, maybe it's Luxembourg, but the discipline of people on the road is, is something that I never experienced. You know how Trevor Noah says that in South Africa, a robot is basically a suggestion. Here, they they obey the law to the T because one of the first things that happened when I first got here was the first few days. So I'm walking outside and then I get to a pedestrian crossing and then I look across, it's red, but then it's like on, it was on a Sunday. So as I'm looking left and right, there are people standing on the other side and I'm standing on the side, right? And then I look around and then I see uh, there are no cars. Naturally, in SA, what you would do, if you look to the left, look to the right, there's no car coming. Naturally, what you would do is you cross. So here I am, and I'm crossing freely. I'm like, I know there's nothing coming. To my shock, I'm looking straight up, and then all those people are still standing, and they're all looking at me. And then I look behind, the people behind me are still standing, they're all looking at me. So I was like, okay, fine, I'm already halfway, let me just walk by and go. And then only when it turns green, that's when they start walking. And I'm like, but there was absolutely nothing. So, and for the first couple of weeks, I had actually not even the first couple of, for the first couple of months, they had, I had not seen a single car accident on the road. There are cars, but I had not seen a single one. And you get to ask yourself that for a person who used to travel from Pretoria to Joburg to go to the office and almost each and every single day, you meet a minimum of three accidents on the road. What is it that the Europeans are doing different? What is it that they're doing? And it boils down to the small little things like the discipline that they have on the roads. Like it is, it, it's something that I looked at and I was like, you know, what? if <laughs> just you could go out, you could go very far if you just have that discipline. Because even with that discipline, it then also went into my workplace. You know, there's motivation that like, I think, I can't remember who it is that actually mentioned that, that there's a difference between being motivated and being disciplined. And learning to distinguish between the two is what determines how far you're actually going to get. Because motivation, okay, fine, I got a new job. Here I am, I'm motivated. But after three months, ah, I'm not being paid well enough. Then my work ethic starts slacking. And then, okay, fine, you get a promotion, you start working, ah, no, now I'm motivated. Ah, I'm not being, like, you never really satisfied. That's, that's why motivation actually fails you. But then with discipline, it becomes consistent. It's that thing that you are doing it because it's the right thing to do. Like, it's because this will actually feed where it is that you're going. So for me, I don't know if it's valid to actually mention the discipline part of it as a culture shock, but it was... It's something that stood out. One of the first things, it's a lot of things that I could mention, but if there's one thing that actually stood out for me in the very beginning, it has to have been the discipline that the Europeans have. 
And I'm thinking now, uh, of course, looking at it from the other side, with you are now a South African, you are now literally a foreigner in another country. And uh, people are looking at you with that foreign eye. You know, some of us were on out shame. We're used to it. Uh, so as you, you know, <laughs> do you been treating us otherwise since we came to South Africa? You know how you treat us. <laughs> how, how was it any different, if at all, from, from, from what you expected and what you've experienced in South Africa in the treatment of foreigners as the treatment of you as an individual? So my, surprisingly, the closest people that are, people that are, I'm close with back in SA, and especially in my office, are all Zimbabwean, surprisingly. And then there's also you as well. So <laughs> it seems like I've got this thing with like this, but I was having this conversation not too long ago. As South Africans, I really think it would be necessary. It's very advisable to just get a touch of being a foreigner in a foreign country especially in Europe, then you will get to appreciate some of the people who actually come to South Africa to make a living. All right. I'm not here to speak as to who's there legally or illegally. That's not, that's not, but let's talk about people who actually come honestly and try to make an honest living in another country, because that's basically what I came to do. I find myself now being the foreigner in a foreign country. They speak a foreign language. And at times you're at the office and you're sitting with people and they're speaking Vernac. And when they speak Vernac, you can't hear a thing because now they're speaking French. And now you get to feel why some companies stress it so much that we should all use English when we're in the office for ex for, to include everyone. Because now I got to, not to say that they were speaking about me. If they were speaking about me, then Lavoie. But the, the, when, when, when I got there and they like sitting and then they start speaking Vernac, I felt so excluded. And then immediately it, start, it, it just hit me that this is how people from Nigeria, people from Malawi, people from Zimbabwe would feel in a, in a South African office. They don't understand any of the other languages that we speak. And when we are told that, okay, fine, we need to speak only English, then we want to Zawalaza and say, oh, no, this is an official language. Then I, 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 I really, the, yeah, fine, I understood, I understood it, but I really got to understand it and grasp it once I started working here. Because it's, it's not an English speaking. And the beautiful thing about it is that there's no master pronunciation because everyone has their own language here. So Luxembourg is a very, very, very small, small country. And within my entire department, we have over 53 national, different nationalities. Like I haven't met a single person who was actually born and bred in Luxembourg. So it's like a whole lot of people who are coming into Luxembourg in order trying to make a living. So it's like, there's a whole lot of foreigners here in the same office, but then you become a foreigner, foreigner, because now you are from Africa. Like, like your, your, your foreign ship now it becomes a, like it, it gets uh, multiplied because now you are not only not from Luxembourg, you're also not from, not from, not, not, not from Europe. Uh, but so you then get to appreciate, like I, I, I really got to appreciate what it's like for a foreign person in a South African office, because now I became a foreigner in a different office. And I got to experience actually 
the simplest thing of a person at least trying to speak to you in a language that you understand or people around you speaking in a language that you understand just so that you don't feel excluded because there would be guys who are like sitting and then they would speak French. And I remember one guy, like I really appreciated this guy who then, because he saw I was hanging around them, all of them, they were French, they were French speaking, but then he saw I was sitting with them and he's like, and he started speaking English and then everyone else joined him to speak English. And that's only then that I could join the conversation. So you get, you get to really appreciate what it's like to be a foreigner in a foreign country because not everyone is coming to steal your job, guys. Like, I'm not here to steal anyone's job. Like, I, I, I really am not. Well, I don't know whether that's what they do, but I'm not here to steal anyone's job. But you get to appreciate that there are people who are actually really just trying to get an honest living. Like, that's, that's, really, that's really all they're trying to do. But because we have categorized all of them in one section, then yeah on a more personal level you you are a very fiery minister of the word uh, for, from the time i first known you you know you are you are a <laughs> warrior and uh it, it just so happens that at this state in time europe is now regarded at least in christendom as, as the new dark continent because of how uh, slacky they've become i think in terms of the issues of faith in fact the one time i was in europe i even saw a church that's been converted into a club so i'm trying to think how was that transition now for you to try and and, and, and almost keep the faith in a in, in, in a in a place that that is as godless i would say as, as europe has become uh, of late yeah, no, that's a that's a that's that's a difficult one. Like I have to thank um the people that I've been in touch with because I've been in touch with a pastor from from Midrand from a church resolved and he played such a big role because that was one of the few interactions that I would have with someone who actually shares the same faith as me. The guys that I stay with here, it would be, the guys that I'm close to would be Muslim and Hindu. Like, they only, like, if there's, if they were to say, oh, okay, fine, let's go buy meat. We have to go and buy meat where they sell halal. Like, I only got to understand. I like, ask, okay, fine, what's the difference between that meat and, no, this one, they prayed for it before. Like, you see, so... The, the only church that I have seen is Jehovah's Witness. I was like, yo, I don't know. This, it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a long one. So that was, it was a very difficult thing. If it wasn't for online services and for online material that I have, it, it, I really would have suffered. I really would have suffered on that aspect of things because I haven't met a single Christian. Like in 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 the like maybe meet them. Maybe I have met them and I don't know that they are, but I haven't really like that thing that we can engage that we actually we believe in. You know, Father, Son, the Holy Ghost that Christ died on this day he rose again he rose again on the he was born of a virgin i haven't really met that individual as a matter of fact i got to a point like i had a very eye-opening conversation with i was sitting with a hindu and a muslim guy and then we just had a conversation that okay fine guys. like just tell me what is it that you believe and what is it that you believe in 
And just to cut the story short, I won't really get too deep into it. I then just got to discover that actually all of us, the three of us, we all agreed on one thing, that there is a God. There is an almighty. All of us believed in that. Like we all believe that there is an almighty. The only difference comes as to the way to the almighty. The, the middleman. That's, that's where we all differ. That's where we all differ. And we all agreed to disagree. Because now you cannot be, I cannot be standing there, standing as a stringent Christian and say that, no, this is the right way. Your way is the wrong way. You need to respect that once you believe that this way is the right way, there is also someone who's looking at you and saying that this way has worked for me up until here. One of the guys that I was working for, he tells me that, okay, yeah, there's a river in India where they go and they dip themselves in for good luck. And he also dips himself in there for good luck. And the guy's a manager and he's doing well. How do I now come over and tell him that, no, that river of yours is total superstition. It's been working for him for all these years. So you get to get to a point where you actually, it's not that you, con you don't conform to it, but then you just get to appreciate and understand and respect other people's beliefs. So that's, that's, that's what I actually have. Otherwise, I will not have any friends whatsoever. <laughs> that river is called the River Ganges in India. Are you considering going to dip yourself now? No, 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 no. Christ has been working for me. <laughs> no, Christ has been working. No, he's been working. No, no, no. No, it's been working for me. No, no. My, my uh, I appreciate you coming through, Nathan. I think uh, for the last point, which I think a lot of people actually want to know, is the familial connection. Like, how was the, the living behind of the people that you love? I know, of course, uh, you haven't really put a ring on it yet, so you don't have that much of a connection in terms of the legal <laughs> aspect of it. But yes, you've got a dad, you've got siblings, etc., etc. I won't mention, of course, uh, your, your marital status. You insisted I don't, but hey, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> How was that, you know, the, the living of, 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 of the people that you love and, of course, then trying to adjust for such a long time without having those people around you? It takes mental preparation before you actually leave. Like, you need to prepare yourself mentally and just understand that there will be scenarios that will actually cause you to want to go back or want to miss home. But mentally prepare yourself, because I mentally prepared myself that I am here for 12 months. I mentally, like... Come hell high water, I knew very well that I was leaving during the COVID period. My dad is elderly. He's on the other side of 50. My grandmother's on the other side of 50. I've got younger brothers as well. Did I say my sibling? Oh, no. I don't. Yeah, my grandmother's on the other side of 60. Okay. So I mentally prepared myself because immediately when I landed, within a month, not even a month, yeah, just over a month, there was a tragic death within the family. And then now I struggle to come here. So now I'm thinking, do, do I need to fly back home? But then I need to remember that it was very hard for me to actually come to Luxembourg. So now you're stuck with the decision that, okay, fine. Do you go back home and show your support or do you have to show your support virally? And I had to show my support virally. Like being the firstborn boy, um, have, after having um, lost my mother, you, I immediately within the family, I become the next, the next layer of of yeah i don't know if it's say or, or support basically after my dad you see so it became very difficult but i i had told myself that these things are going to happen i knew very well i love my grandmother very much and it was in december when a whole lot of people were especially from Limpopo, were just passing away and i was very worried about that 
but thank God that she 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 managed to sub, to survive it and she's still she's still alive now. But it's something that you mentally prepare for it and like you have to thank God for technology, honestly speaking. Like you really have to, because that's the one way that I actually managed to keep sane. Like the video calls that I was having, even though there were few and far in between, it 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 really it really assisted. It's just that when I was back home, I didn't really see them that often, but it's always better to not see them when you have the choice than for you to actually not have that choice taken away from you. Now it becomes even harder for you to not see them because back then I could see them, but it was that thing that it's my choice. But now it's that thing that I don't have a choice. Like I really, I really can't. So it was a difficult transition, but here I am 10 months later, still going and I don't regret it one bit. And I think uh, any parting shots then from you, Mr. Nathan, before we let you go uh, to enjoy your summer as we are freezing down here in Africa. Yes. And what's, the, what's the last thing perhaps you want to tell us tonight and uh, just encourage us with if there's anything? I really would encourage anyone very early on in your career to seek international experience. It is, it's one thing, your, mind, your mindset will never be the same afterwards. Like you really need to do, to do this before you actually bind yourself to long-term commitments. Do it while you still have that freedom on your own. It's, it's, it's a mind-blowing experience to experience a different culture and it tests your emotional threshold more than anything. It tests your resilience more than anything. At some point, you'll feel like giving up. At some point, you'll really feel like you just want to go home but your character will truly never be the same once you have that international experience. And you'll also get to appreciate a few things that you took for granted as well. And you are like, one thing that I really, that I really um, got to realize when I got you is that really making money isn't everything. It truly, it truly, it truly isn't everything. So that my advice to any young person who's in varsity and thinking of working very early on, even if it's not for that long, just get that international experience under the belt. Now, thank you very much for that, Nathan. I think we really, really appreciate uh, you giving up your time. You know, being in Europe, you're a very important man and you've got more important things to do, I imagine. But I uh, hope you enjoy the remainder time that you have that side. And we look forward to seeing you soon. And for everyone who's been watching, I'm hoping, of course, you've kind of gotten more enriched about this experience, of course, of going to work elsewhere, uh, abroad especially, and uh, try to get that experience, like Mr. Nathan says, before you make those commitments. And uh, I suppose we'll talk about the after the commitments when uh, Nathan can uh, be in a position to tell us exactly about those as and when that, of course, uh, takes place. <laughs> but thank you very much much uh, my, my chief and I hope you enjoy the rest of the evening tonight sir. Thanks for having me Ronald. Everybody else out there good night it's a uh, first edition of live chats on Monday see you next week same time when we talk about more interesting stuff with interesting people. Adios. Hello. Hello.